Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me on this rather pleasant Friday evening in Pittsburgh. It's in the 60s, or at least it was most of the day. It's in, in the 50s now, but I will take it, especially after last week at this time when it was below zero, and I was miserable. So, as I always say, I hope it's nice and Tropical, wherever you are in Steeler Nation, whether it's in Pittsburgh or someplace else on this great planet of ours. And before I continue with tonight's podcast, I would like to ask you to please like and subscribe to our Behind Still Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show. Earlier on Friday, we had the Touchdown Under show with Maddie Peverell and Mark Davidson. Over the weekend, we have shows like We Run the North with with uh, uh, Kevin Tate and his friends. We also have Steelers Postgate Show with with uh, Brian uh, Brian uh, Anthony Davis, Jeff Hartman, and Dave Schofield. At least that's most of the time. I'm not sure about this week with it being a primetime game on Sunday night. Uh, on Mondays, we have The Hangover with Brian, Shannon, and yours truly. Tuesday, we have the Scobro Show with Dave Schofield and Rich Schofield. Wednesday, we, ha- we have Know Your Enemy with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon. Thursday, we have The Preview with Jeff, Dave, and Brian. Uh, you can check those shows out on Facebook, also live. And, of course, you can catch any of those shows on any audio platform of your choosing. If you can't watch them live, you can watch them after the fact. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find those shows. And we also have a whole host of audio-only shows, including Bad Language with Brian, Let's Ride with Hartman. We have The War Room with, with uh, Maddie Peverall. We have What Ian's Talking About with Kyle Kreiss and his buddies. We have The Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar. Uh, we have The Stat Geek with, with Dave. Um, we have... Uh, here we go, the Steelers show with Brian and Kevin Smith. We have the State of the Steelers with Daniel J. So again, you can catch all those shows on any audio platform of your choosing. And of course, check out Behind Still Curtain site when news. We bring you commentary and we bring you film down and many other things. It's your one-stop shop for all of your Steelers needs. You will not be sorry. And let's check out the live chat this evening. We, of course, we have Jared Devil, who was first in, congratulations, another victory for Jared Devil, Steeler Chick 46 is with us, just joining us, Brian Brown, Kathy Ford, and that's our crew so far, so welcome aboard everybody, I hope we have a good show tonight, I hope I don't have any technical difficulties, because that was really frustrating last week, but I switched outlets on my laptop for my microphone, and it seems to be working I guess it happens live. So anyway, let's talk about 
Let's talk about last week's game. Let's 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 start off with that against the Raiders. The the celebra- celebration for the 50th year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and also the night that Pittsburgh officially retired Franco Harris's number 32 jersey. It was obviously a bittersweet night because it was a celebration, but he had passed away a few days earlier, which was just a shock to everybody. Uh, and you know that was. As I said on the Hangover on Monday, it was hard to watch the the halftime show um, with uh, Dana and Doc Harris uh, on hand to to accept Harris's number thirty two jersey. It was so soon after everything happened, and to have to be there in front of all those people in that stadium, uh, that was uh, I, I can't even imagine that. I mean, they they had to be still reeling from everything that happened and still processing it, and they hadn't even had the funeral yet, and and you have to. You have to have like like a celebratory moment like that. Just uh, I couldn't even imagine. But um, I, I'm proud of the Steelers for 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 what they did for Franco and for themselves. And um, it was it was a obviously a very cold night. Again, it was a very cold, bitter night. It was sub zero temperatures. If you factor in the wind chill factor, the winds were gusting up to 30 miles an hour. I experienced it myself. Of uh, getting out of my car day on Saturday, so I can't even imagine playing in that stuff. Um, but you know, it was a, it was a, uh, 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 some of my articles. It was, um, cold, and you had Vegas coming from from a dome stadium out west in Vegas, obviously. <laughs> uh, playing against struggling offense all season, a young offense with a rookie quarterback. So I certainly expected it to be a low scoring game, which it was, uh, it was a rather sloppy game an ugly game. Um, the defense kind of wilted initially. Uh, I think it was the opening drive, if I'm not mistaken, when the Raiders marched all the way down to take a seven, nothing lead, a big, a, uh, play on that drive was a, uh, a third and 16 that the Raiders picked up on a dump off to the to their running back, Abdullah. That was really frustrating to see <laughs> as I watched that game. I'm like, come on, you got to stop. You got to stop that. You, you had to be prepared for that little dump off over the middle to the running back. And it seemed like they weren't prepared for it at all. So that was frustrating. But aside from, aside from uh, the, uh, the end of the, of the first half when, when the Raiders got a couple of big plays to, to march down the field to kick a field goal to make it 10-3. Pittsburgh had just made it 7-3 on a field goal by uh, by uh, 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 Chris Boswell. Aside from that, the defense really tightened up big time over those last uh, three-plus quarters of, of that game. I mean, I, I think the Raiders had 72 yards in that first drive. And they had 201 total for the game when all was said and done. To me, that tells you all you need to know about what happened uh, with that defense against the Raiders. So they stepped up. Um, <laughs> Cam Hayward's had a magnificent night, multiple sacks. Uh, he knocked the pass down. Um, he was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Just a, a great performance, one of his best performances. What is he now, 33, 34? 33, I believe. So, you know, the guy just keeps getting better. And there's no question that TJ, having TJ Watt back, even though he's been relatively quiet since he's been back, uh, having him back 
certainly has uh, freed up Hayward. But still, I mean, you know, whether you're double, t- whether you're on, just because you're you're uh, being blocked one on one, that you know doesn't mean you're automatically going to be successful. And he's been playing uh, so much better these last few weeks. So uh, kudos to Cam Hayward. He came out. He was the first one out in pregame ceremonies with the uh, big number thirty-two flag. Uh, he, he obviously stepped up in, in, in a leadership role for a, in a difficult time for that team. And kudos to Kenny Pickett, you know, for for uh, coming through in the end. Now, it wasn't his best game. You know, he struggled a bit. Uh, what, what did he complete? 26 to 39 for, I want to say, 244. Uh, he threw a pick. And it, it was it was frustrating to watch that offense. There's no question. Uh, they did seem to move the ball a little bit. It kind of reminded me of the Ravens game a few weeks ago. They moved the ball, but, you know, every, every time they got to around the 30, they kind of stalled out. Boswell missed two field goals, pretty uncharacteristic for him. One from 43 yards away, one from 52. Uh, I'm hoping <laughs> the weather played a factor in those two misses because it's, it's rare for him to miss one in a game, let alone two. Um, so hopefully that was just a matter of the, of the, the weather and the wind and the frigid cold, cold temperatures. Uh, so two, uh, two promising drives ended in, in, in missed field goals. And then the opening drive of the third of the third quarter ended in an interception by Pickett when, when it looked like they were about to, to get in, in uh, get in position to score some points. So it, it was a frustrating night for most of the game for, for that offense. Cause you know, they, they outgained the Raiders, I think three fifty to two Oh one. So they were doing a decent job of moving the ball, but they they, they just couldn't finish uh, until the end. That final drive with uh, two minutes plus left in that game, uh, the plays that he made, meaning Pickett, those passes, a couple of the um, to Friar Muth, uh, especially the one on the sideline, the one that they had to – there was a dispute as to whether or not Friar Muth was uh, – inbounds but that that was a big league throw a big time quarterback throw right there and it was nice to see and of course uh after a couple other plays and then a fourth and one conversion he hit george pickens with a perfect 14 yard touchdown pass with with uh 46 seconds left and of course they they finished it off cam sutton pick and connor hayward uh jet sweep when the raiders could still stop the clock with like 29 seconds left. So um, it was a frustrating game to watch, but I like what I saw at the end. And uh, as I said on the hangover on Monday, I was wondering how Pickett w- would respond if he was ever in that same situation that he was in against the Dolphins on Sunday night football uh, back in October. You know, he threw, uh, I think, two picks over the last two drives. Um when Pittsburgh was losing 16 to 10 and had a chance to come back and win. And then that last drive, the last, the second pick was really frustrating because it seemed like he had, he had a uh, um, room to run and, and get closer to, to the uh, goal line. Instead, he, he tried to hit Deontay Johnson and was picked off. And that was game. That was the ball game right there. So I was wondering how he would respond the next time he was in, in that situation. And, um, he was uh, he he did the exact opposite that he did against the Dolphins. He he came through with the big plays, with the big with, with the uh, 
the big passes, the, the perfect passes, the precision, precision passes. So that was really fantastic to see. And, you know, people keep, you know, at least you read stuff online and, and you listen to people like Mark Madden, which I don't know why. And, and, you know, they're so down on Pickett, and, you know, they keep uh, bringing up his stats and how people are overinflating his rookie year based on a few plays here and there. And I believe, I, believe me, I think there's some of that going on. I know there's some of that going on. People are overly defensive of Pickett and, and uh, what he's accomplished up to this point. You know, he hasn't had a breakout game. There's no question about it. He has not had a, a breakout game up to this point. But, you know, he has looked good at, at times during games. He's looked in command. Uh, he, he's looked in control. He, he's, he's showed leadership skills. He showed um, confidence and toughness. And, and, and again, you wanted to see how, how he reacted to a similar situation that he, that he made a mistake in, you know, a couple months earlier. And as I said, he, he came through in fl- with flying colors. So, you know, uh, just because he's not having the greatest rookie year, doesn't mean he can't he can't eventually get over the hump and become a very good to great NFL quarterback. You know, like I said last week on the Hangover, and like I've said repeatedly, not that it matters. People just don't seem to to want to buy it. But the vast majority of rookie quarterbacks that start struggle like this. The offense is kind of you know anemic. It it, it 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 has trouble producing yards and points, specifically points. And and uh, there's Dan Marino who came in right away with the Dolphins in '83 and was was a a, a an All Pro from, from from day one. Year two he was the MVP. And then there's everybody else, even Ben Ben Roethlisberger who, believe me, I'm not. He, he had a much better rookie year than than Kenny Pickett has had up, up to this point, or or will have when all said and done, but even he was limited to what he could do. He didn't know the playbook. If you, if you go back and, and read Bill Cowher's book that he, he, he released in 2021, Heart and Steel, he said, basically, we can only use half the field with Ben his rookie year because he didn't know all that he needed, he needed to know. Fortunately for him, as I've said in the past, fortunately for Ben, he had a great running game, the number one running rushing attack in the NFL, and, he, and, and the number one defense. Basically, he came into a situation where he was on a Super Bowl-ready team, an all-star roster, and they kind of lifted him up and carried him all throughout that, that campaign. You know, he had, he had his moments where he, he came through for them at the end of games, but mostly they carried him. He, he uh, rode their coattails, so to speak, and that's how they went 15-1 and and made it to the AFC Championship game. Kenny Pickett's in an entirely different situation, the one that most rookie quarterbacks find themselves in, and that's uh, he, he's he's the quarterback of a, of a young team, a young offense especially, and they're, they're trying to figure things out on the fly, and, and the results aren't always going to be pretty. In fact, most of the time they're not going to be pretty, and what you want to look for are little signs that he is making improvement, that, he's, that he is making progress, and I do believe we're seeing that. And the number one thing that I'm encouraged of with Pickett is his lack of takeaways, at least 
lately, at least since Dubai. He struggled with that big time uh, up until Dubai, but since Dubai, he's done a really good job of taking care of the football. And again, that's a sign of progress. Uh, it's probably also a sign of them maybe making the, the offense uh, simpler, as Shannon has said several times. And of course, it's it's also it also helps that they've been able to run the ball more consistently since Dubai. But again, he's uh, he's show, he's making progress, and that's all you can ask for from a, a rookie quarterback is progress. Now, obviously, you want to see him make that leap next year, which it's going to be interesting to see what how he responds to his first off season as a, as a professional football player and you know, the, the, what he does in a weight room, what he does with a trainer um, and, and how he looks come the spring uh, when, when, you know, he's in OTAs and he knows he's the man, he knows he's in the, the number one guy on the roster as far as quarterbacks, how he looks in the OTAs, how he looks at mini camp and how he looks in training. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see what strides he makes uh, after his rookie year going into his second year. And of course, you know, what's, who's going to be his offensive coordinators. There's all kinds of things you get to, that have to be yet to be determined. Are they going to address the, the offensive line with a, a premium pick, or are they going to maybe keep those top five guys that they have right now and, and, uh, and allow them to continue to get better. And, and they've made a lot of, uh, a, a lot of progress this year too. So those are my thoughts on the Raiders game. Uh, the Steelers are now seven and eight and they theoretically effectively have knocked the Raiders out of the playoffs. I believe they're still alive at six and nine because of their conference record or, or what, what have you, but they're pretty much done. And Pittsburgh's still alive at seven and eight. They're in, in 11th place right now um they they improved two spots still it's still a a a, a long shot for them to make the playoffs but they're still alive and the question is are they going to be alive this sunday night when they take on the ravens at m&t bank stadium because the nfl flexed that game i think it was a one o'clock game originally and they flexed it to 8 p.m. So while Pittsburgh did survive last week with their playoff hopes still intact, ever so, ever so, uh, uh, even though they're hanging on by, by the skin of their teeth. You see what happened last week? The Dolphins lost. They lost. And of course, you know, the Browns and the Raiders uh, all lost. So, so that helped keep them alive. Um, but are they going to be alive uh, this Sunday night? Are they still going to be in, 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 in the hunt when that game kicks off? Because they might not be. And here's what has to happen. The Dolphins have to lose to the Patriots. Uh, I guess at one o'clock or, four, or four, four o'clock, whenever that game's played. And yes, you have to root for the Patriots. If you don't root for the Patriots, if you say you can't do that, Okay, that doesn't make any sense. If you want, if you want Pittsburgh to somehow make the playoffs, the Patriots have to win over the Dolphins, and the and the Seahawks have to beat the Jets. That actually has to happen too. It's not just about the Dolphins; it's about the Jets. They have to lose this week. 
So if both of those things happen, then they'll still be alive for the playoffs uh, when that game kicks off. If one of those things doesn't happen, they are eliminated. And there's not no other way to say it. No other way to uh, talk about it. They're eliminated. So that's actually kind of weird that the NFL decided to do that because usually they want teams that have something on the line. They want them all playing around the same time. So it, it incentivizes everybody involved on, on both, both teams in, in every game. But uh, I guess they, they thought this uh, matchup would be too attractive uh, to, to not flex into, into the prime time. So, so here we are. So um, I kind of get the feeling though, things are going to work out for them at least this week because Tua, Tua's, uh, I believe he's out with a, a Yet another concussion. You got to feel bad for that guy. And the Seahawks are playing at home. They're playing the Jets at home, and they have the playoffs are still in, in play for them. So they're going to be motivated. And uh, so I think I think they're still going to be alive. The question is, can they take advantage and uh, knock off the Ravens? And that might. Uh, be a possibility again because Lamar Jackson is out once again. Um, Huntley is is going to be starting in his place. Calias Campbell is, is currently listed as questionable. They're a big, towering defensive uh, lineman who blocked a key field goal the last time these two teams met at Acrisure Stadium a few weeks ago. And Marcus Peters is officially out. They're a very talented cornerback. So, uh, if you if you remember that game, Pittsburgh, much like against the Raiders, Pittsburgh did a really good job uh, moving the ball against the Ravens at Acrisure Stadium, but they just couldn't finish drives off. In fact, they kept turning the ball over. And Trubisky threw those uh, two key picks deep in Baltimore territory, and that kind of was the difference in the game as Baltimore won 16 to 14. So. I fully expect it to be a, a close game again. When is it not a close game between these two? And I fully expect it to come down to the to the final seconds. And uh, I, I expect another two or three point margin. Who's going to win? I don't know at this point. I haven't done my predictions yet for the week. I have to do that either tonight or tomorrow morning. But uh, it's definitely going to be a close game. So... On that note, at the 22.40 mark, I will take a small break for those on the audio side, when you're, if you're listening later, to hear a word from our sponsors, one of our sponsors. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to part two of this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio, and I thank you for staying with me. And we were talking about in the first half of the show, the Raiders-Steelers game from six days earlier at Acrisure Stadium, the, the uh, three-point win for Pittsburgh. And then we were talking about uh, the playoffs and Kenny Pickett and whether or not this Sunday's game will be will mean anything for Pittsburgh when it kicks off because of what has to happen on Sunday afternoon between the Jets and the Seahawks and the Dolphins and the Patriots. So on that note, let's look at
comments and questions pertaining to that. This is one that comes to us, to us from Oh, Claude Bishop. Does anybody want Canada return next year? Most people don't. Will he? Uh, I think it's still up in the air. But uh, it's a delicate thing. When you have a rookie quarterback, Pickett likes, if he likes uh, Canada, it's going to be kind of hard to fire him. Um, Jeff Hartman mentioned that on... uh, on uh, Monday, you know, if they truly feel like he's the guy, meaning Pickett to lead to the future, then they might um, leave it up to Pickett who he wants to be the OC. Does he want Canada to stick around, or 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 would he be okay with them going in a different direction? So I think it's going to be up in the air until until uh, after after the season is over. And this one is from DJ2, who says there's a 1% chance the Steelers make the playoffs and a 0% chance they contend. This is crazy. They're just a bad football team. Wow, this guy is really positive. This team is never going to get turned around if if we, meaning the fans, are okay with contending for the seventh seed. It really doesn't matter if we're okay with it, DJ2. We have nothing to do with it. You know, this this actually, I'm glad you said that because it's, it's one of the points I wanted to discuss in the second half of the show. The whole accepting mediocrity thing. Are we just going to accept mediocrity? Yeah, we accept whatever the Steelers put out there because we have no control over it. And guess what? Guess what? Uh, You know, they were expected to be a seven or eight win team this year. The odds makers said that they were going to, or they put the over and under at 7.5, seven and a half wins. So, you know, that's been an ongoing debate this week with, you know, talk radio and polls on Twitter. And if the Steelers finish at nine and eight, will this be a successful season? And of course the popular answer is no, of course not. How could you say that? The standards, the standards, Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Well, again, they were expected to have a bad year, meaning they were they're expected to have a losing season, which it still might happen if they lose one of their last two games. Um, you know, so, if they finish nine and eight with, with what they had going on coming into this year with a, with a, a rookie quarterback uh, and, and Pickett, who played the majority of the time and so much turnover uh, your first year without Ben Roethlisberger's quarterback, the leader of the franchise to finish nine and eight and be in contention for the playoffs. To me, that's a good season. Cause that, that, that um, shows me that they made progress throughout the year because they were two and six at one point. And now they're seven and eight. So they finished nine and eight playoffs or not. It's a, a, a successful year. I can't say that word. And if they make the playoffs, if you think that's not a successful year, then I'm sorry, but you're, you're wrong. It's a successful year. And again, this whole idea of the standard, I bet you that's a, a phrase that Mike Tomlin wished he never, ever said the standard is the standard because every time we have discussions like this, there's always somebody that says, Oh, so we're, we're okay with division titles and just barely getting into the playoffs and all that stuff. The standards winning Super Bowls. They've won two since the seventies. They've won two since the disco era. Okay. They've won two since people were allowed to smoke on an airplane. I think 79. Uh, So that's not the standard. It's the hope 
that's what people maybe they, they expect it because you know uh they've been uh taught to believe that because of the 70s that might have been the standard in 1979 maybe into the early 80s when a lot of those star players were still around but it really hasn't been the standard for a long time it's the hope it's the aspiration because of the the grand total of six super bowls that they have which is tied for for number one all time they were the first team to do it so it's 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 the hope it's the exp- it's it, it's the aspirations of the fans and the organization to win super bowls but it's not the standard because uh the patriots just won a bunch of super bowls uh i'm sure they have that standard too you know sometimes you just have to accept the fact that your team is in a down uh period it's having a down uh few years which they've had since 2019 there's no question about it there was that crazy hiccup in 2020 when they went 11 and 0 but that was smoke and mirrors mostly it's been a down time since 2019 really since the end of 2018 when they collapsed it happens and 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 they're turning the roster over they have a, a really young offense and they have a rookie quarterback and they're trying to find the answers again and they're trying to get back to that point where where people can truly uh, expect Super Bowls, and and Pittsburgh can legitimately be legitimately be in a place to to try and get one for them again. But right now they're not there. Uh, right right now they're if, if if they were truly a Super Bowl team, Robert Spillane wouldn't be playing so much. Uh, Arthur Millette, no offense to him, wouldn't be playing so much. Uh, uh, Gunnar Oshevsky wouldn't be on the field at all. Uh, Steven Sims might be a really nice special teams player, but probably not a starting receiver for, or a receiver who contributes a lot for them. Okay. Those kind of players don't play on Super Bowl contenders. So that's who they have right now. And and, and they're, they're, they're trying to find uh, uh, each offseason, trying to find improvements in so many different areas. Okay. But but right now they're not there yet. So uh, to say they have a zero percent chance of competing in the playoffs, you don't know that. That's why they're the playoffs. But to say that it's not a great thing for them to make it there, that's just silly. That's just a silly silly thing that people say, and I don't get it because uh, you should always want them to be in the playoffs. You should always want that because one win you can live thirty years off of that. I still again I still think back to that nineteen eighty nine wild card win over the Oilers. It brings me great joy. I was, what, 16 or 17 at the time, and I'm 50 now, and I still think about that and, and think about that game, and it's great. So you should want that. And if, if you don't want that, if all you, if all you want is a Super Bowl, when you're going to be miserable, I'd say 99% of the time. And believe me, according to Twitter and Facebook, there are Steeler fans, quote-unquote fans, that are miserable, 99% of the time, <laughs> maybe even hundred percent of the time, you know, they're that, that Randy Quaid from major league two. They're that kind of, uh, of a fan. They're never happy, you know? So look, uh, do I want to see them win a super bowl? Of course. Do I expect it every year? No, I expect it when they're good. That's my, that's my aspiration for them to win it when they're good. When I can look at the roster and, and, and confidently say that they're up there with the, the top teams in the NFL. I haven't been able to say that 
quite frankly, since maybe 2017. Well, since 2017. That's the last time I looked at that, at that team, at that roster, and said, this team could possibly compete for a Super Bowl. In fact, if not for a, a crazy, horrible uh, miscarriage of justice against Jesse James, they would have went into the playoffs as, as the number one seed in the AFC, and they might have gotten back to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, and they lost to the Jaguars in the Super Bowl. Or I'm sorry, in in the uh, divisional round, and they missed the uh, their chance. But they really haven't been that team since then. And anybody who says otherwise, I always get accused of not knowing football. Anybody who says that they've had the talent to win a Super Bowl over the last four or five years has does not know what they're talking about because they haven't. And and you know, they just moved on from Ben, and they're trying to uh, to to build a roster around another quarterback, and they're trying to. To, to, to build their, their team around guys like Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth and now George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and on defense, obviously TJ Watt and, and, you know, the, uh, and Hayward and uh, uh, Fitzpatrick and Edmonds and, and a lot of, a lot of uh, even younger guys like, like Highsmith and, and uh, you know, they still have some more, more work to do on, on, on that side of the ball, too. That's not a finished product by any, any stretch of the imagination. They still have to find answers find answers on a defensive line, at inside linebacker, at cornerback, uh, you know, this offseason. So they don't have the pieces yet. But to me, if you can keep a, 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 a team like they had this year together and keep them fighting after the two and six start when they got – they just got, I mean, they had some close losses, obviously, to the Patriots, the Jets, Dolphins. But, you know, they took on the best that there was in the league in the Bills and, and the Eagles. And they got they got throttled. I mean, this was not Ben's rookie year when they took on the Patriots and the Eagles back-to-back and blew those teams out. Uh, this year it was different. They got, they got throttled in both games. So, you know, uh, and that's another thing that, 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 that I, I, I just I – just, laugh at when I, when I see fans be unimpressed with the fact that they've, you know, they swept the NFC South, they beat the Raiders. Uh, oh, they just beat all average teams. They beat teams that are average. That's all they do. They don't beat any of the good teams. Well, they beat the Buccaneers who are below 500. So other than that, you're right. They really haven't beaten any uh, great teams this year other than the Bengals who were in a different place in week one. Now they're a true contender. They're really, I think they're really strong and solid and, and a good bet to get back to the Super Bowl. But yeah, they, they've beaten up. They, they've, they've, most of their seven wins have come against uh, teams, but guess what? They're a mediocre team themselves and they have, they have, they have issues. So the fact that, 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 that they can look so good against those kind of teams to me, that, that speaks to their, to the coaching and, 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 and Tom and, uh, keeping them uh, focused, right? You know, so when, 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 when fans say that, oh, oh, you know, they're beating these lesser opponents, you're, 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 that, to me, that's a sign of an entitlement. You know, people say, well, we're not entitled. You're entitled. If you, if, you, if you truly think that, that if you're truly unimpressed with any victory that they've had this year, this team, then you're, you're an entitled fan because this team has major warts and it's had to work through some major problems this year. And the fact that they're seven, eight and still alive for the playoffs with two weeks to go to me, that's amazing. 
And I don't care. You call me an apologist. I'm just a realist. It is what it is. I've been critical of them a, a lot this year. So uh, I'm not just a, a, a Homer, a blind, uh, uh, black and gold co uh, colored glasses wearing Homer. I try to like call it the way I see it. And to me, it's pretty fantastic that they're seven and eight right now. And that should be commended. The players should be commended for that. And the coaching staff should be commended for that. So anyway, I was pretty fired up there. I think I'll round out the show by taking some comments and questions and let's see what you guys have for me tonight. Brian Brown says, uh, go Cheatriots, meaning the Patriots. Although Cheatriots is also fair based on their history. Makes me throw up a little in my mouth, a little to say that. But you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. We did that five years ago, or was it four years ago? We had to root for the Browns. You know, it helped that they were playing the Ravens, but still it wasn't easy for people to do, but they did it. You got to do it. You know, you got to be that receiver that, that blocks. You, you might want the ball, but you got to go out there and block for the running game. And you got to cheer for the Patriots or the Cheatriots. All right. This is one from Steel Chick 46. Even if the Steelers are out, they can beat the Ravens and hurt their chances to win the AFC North. Yeah, well, unless Lamar Jackson comes back, I don't think they're going to win the AFC North. And anyway, I think I think the Bengals are hidden shoulders up above everybody else in this division. All right, that's it. We got here. Here we are. Here we are from Claude Bishop, and he says. To start out two and six and to be where they are at now is great progress. Exactly, Claude. Great minds think alike. Exactly. I mean, you know, two and six, it looked like they were going to go four and 13 at one point or five and 12 or something like that. Now they're seven and eight and they could very easily finish nine and eight, which to me, I don't care what the polls say. I don't care what the fans say on the talk shows. That's a great season or a good season, a successful one. Because they weren't expected to be anywhere near nine wins, they might we might expect it. The the, the, the the fans that follow them religiously and 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 comment on every blog on every every link on on Twitter or Facebook, they might expect it. But that's what diehard fans do. But the national consensus was they weren't going to have a good year, and yet they're on the on the brink of having another winning season. So it is great progress, and it's a young team, which is even more encouraging. All right, let's see. This one from DJ2. Everyone with a brain knew they'd start two and six and, and end up like eight and nine just by looking at the schedule. It was the opposite of 2020 when they had a bunch of easy games and then hard games. See, again, you called them e easy games, but those teams that they were playing, the Saints, Panthers, Buccaneers, what have you, Falcons, they're all on the same level as the Steelers. The Steelers aren't where you think they are. As just because they're the Steelers, that they're, that they're automatically better than teams that have bad have uh, losing records. Every, every one of those games, the, the records were similar, the, the the talent was similar, and they dominated. To me, that's a good sign. All right. 
Sorry, I'm uh, having some trouble. This one from another from DJ Two, who's fairly on, he's on a, a rampage tonight, and he says to Claude Bishop, he's there having a conversation. If Matt Canada is on the coaching staff next season, I am not going to root for this team to win a game. He's garbage. Well, that's silly. There, you're DJ Two. You really you need to make a New Year's resolution to be more positive. I mean, you have two days. I think that's that's what I would do if I were you. Forget about the any kind of weight training thing or giving up alcohol. You need to be more positive, DJ Two. Because you, you seem to have some issues. This one from Bobby Brister, one of my favorite Steelers from, from the 80s. And he says, famous, uh, uh, famous Steeler quarterback from the 80s, by the way, Bobby Brister. And he says, dudes, I unearthed some early 80s tops football cards from my youth. Lambert, Shell, Blunt, Star Wars, etc. Well, clearly, that's not, not the real Bobby Brister. So here we are on, on the... On the, on the uh, 53... Anyway, almost Eve, anyway. And I finally figured out that Bubby Brister is not the real Bubby Brister. Now I just have to have to fig- figure out if Mark Malone's the real Mark Malone, our, our good friend Mark Malone, who visits the live chat uh, in many episodes. And Bridget Jones says, I believe of Matt Canada, get rid of him with three explanation marks. That's the general consensus, get rid of Matt Canada. And, you know, if I had to put money on it, I'd say uh, he's probably gone. <laughs> Not that that's a, a ve- really a, a bold statement. He's probably gone. Uh, but, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's definitely not going to be a popular move if he comes back, no matter how this season ends. There's only two games left. I mean, if Kenny Pickett goes out and throws for a combined 800 yards and seven touchdowns in these last two games, people are still going to want Matt Canada gone. So it's not going to be a popular move if he – if he uh, if he's given the uh, his pink slip, the question is: If they do fire Matt Canada, what are they going to do to replace him? Who are they? Because this this is the move, right? If they do get rid of Canada, they have to um, really hit on the new new person, which is no guarantee. And that, that means they have to go out and hire somebody. I would say who has credentials, somebody who has a, a track record in in the league as not just an offensive coordinator, but a good successful offensive coordinator, somebody who's who has a track record of working with young quarterbacks, somebody who has had success in the past as an OC, not just somebody who's been an OC, somebody who's had success. So if they do get rid of, you know, it's one thing to get rid of somebody, you know, we, we love to do this as fans, cut this guy, fire that guy, trade this person. Who are they going to replace him with? That's the key. And it, it, they can't get that wrong. Because if you yank, if you jerk pick it around too much with with different OCs early in his career, it's going to hurt him more more, more than likely. We saw it with Cordell Stewart twenty five years ago. Uh, Bill Cowher, great coach, Hall of Fame coach. One of his biggest mistakes, I think, was was jerking around Stewart with the with the OCs over his first half decade as the starting quarterback for the Steelers. He had Chan Gailey his first year. And nobody could help what happened there. Gailey left to be a head coach. That's nobody's fault. He brought in uh, Ray Sherman the following year. By the end of the year, he uh, he took the play calling duties away from Sherman. And then they brought in he brought in Kevin, Kevin Gilbride for two years. That didn't work. And then he finally brought in Mike Malarkey, and that worked uh, for a couple of years. But you don't want to do that with Kenny Pickett. You invested a first round pick in him. You can't make that mistake again. 
So if they do get rid of Canada, everybody's going to be dancing in the streets. Uh, Twitter will be so happy. Facebook will be so happy. People will be, you know, hugging each other, banging pots like, like New Year's. But you better get the new guy, the new hire right, or you're going to potentially really sabotage your young quarterback and your future as the Pittsburgh Steelers. This one is from Brian Brown. Tony, do you ever just get a feeling like Sims or someone else is due for a kickoff or punt return for a TD? Certainly a, a, a punt return. I think he's he's been close to breaking a few this year. Uh, and, you know, no no time like the present when, when you have uh, – when your season's still on the line. Uh, I hope to see something from him in that department. Uh interested to see what what uh Kelvin Austin does in that in that uh, department next year you know if and when he he's back and I assume he'll be back next year he, his injury is not that serious it's just serious enough to keep him uh, inactive all year this one from DJ2 the NFL is an, is an entertainment business if you think fans have no influence on a product I disagree with you yeah, but they, but you're talking about every fan base from every team out there. Nobody ha- gets to dictate what goes on. Sometimes you have to sit there and accept what happens, right? It, it's it's a cyclical thing. The NFL is set up for teams that are that are having a bad patch to to improve through the draft, to improve through uh, free agency because they have more cap space than the teams that are really good. When you have a really good team. Generally, you're, you're up against the cap. You have a great quarterback, all that stuff, and you're drafting low. So, you know, all the fans expect to win, but it doesn't mean that that it's going to influence what happens to the team that they're rooting for. Believe me, it doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with it. It might influence how owners, uh, maybe direction the direction that they go, the moves that they make, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. It just, it, just, it just influences maybe – Certain certain fan bases might influence what the owners do, but it doesn't mean that it works. Sometimes you have to sit back there as a fan and eat some bad years or even some mediocre years in the case of the Steelers. And that's just how it is. You know, we can sit there and say the standard is the standard, but those are just words. They really don't mean anything. All right. And there's another one from DJ2. The seats were empty for on Christmas Eve to retire Franco's number. It was a bad luck for Rooney. I think the fans matter. They do matter. Uh, but it was also Christmas Eve. It was also below zero. So what are you gonna do? It was the coldest, it was the it was the coldest game in the history of Akershire Stadium. I went to the the previously uh, coldest game in 2013, and it was the lowest attended game at Heinz Field. Why? Because people don't like to sit out in the cold on a Sunday night. Had that game been on a one at, a, at one o'clock, it probably would have been a better a better game. Had it been 30, 40 degrees cooler or warmer, 20 degrees anyway, it probably would have been a, a highly a more. Uh, it probably, you, you probably would have had more attendance in that game. This one is from Jeremiah Yoder. Would the Steelers want to bring someone like Frank Reich in to be? to be the new OC if Canada leaves. Well, I know the fans want that. The fans certainly want Frank Reich. But who's to say Frank Reich doesn't still want to be a head coach in the NFL? 
you know, um, that would be a big move for them. He said he has a nice track record as an OC in the NFL. I'd be on board with that, but it all depends on what he wants. Does he want to be a head coach? Um, will they, will they want to pay him enough money to be their OC? So that's to be determined. You know, the last, I guess, big name OC they had was uh, Todd Haley. And that was uh, two OCs ago. So they promoted from within since then. If they do fire Canada, they cannot promote from within for a third time. People will lose their minds. It has to be somebody with a a track record. Old, young, doesn't matter. That person has to have a track record. Or it's going to be a mutiny. This one from Steel Chick 46. Seats were empty everywhere last weekend due to the weather. Yes. Uh, whatever they call it, Cyclone Elliot, the storm that gripped America last week. It was cold everywhere. The seats were empty everywhere. What are you going to do? Uh, like I said, uh, the Roonies can go out and, 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 and try to appease the fans by, by making a lot of hot shot moves. But chances are it's going to fail because that's usually what happens when you try to put a super team together. We just have to uh, sit through this process and watch this young team grow into something better than it is right now. And hopefully that'll be good enough to, to be a, a contender again. But sorry, the last five years have, have been horrible. Uh, or not horrible, mediocre. What are you going to do? It happens. It happened in the 80s. It happened in the 90s. It happened in the 2000s a few times. It happened in the early 2010s. It happens. We can sit here and be vocal about it on social media. But it doesn't change anything. Ron Chess. Tony, hello. Eight Super Bowl visits, six wins, went to three between 2005. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they, they've, they've, they've been to a lot, but they've only won two since 1979. Just Me says all teams win and lose. I'm still with my Steelers no matter what. Well, yeah, they're going to have their fans. They're going to stick around. But the idea that one phase is, is superior to another and that, that they they that they should win because of the standard. That's just always been laughable to me. I think on that note, I'm going to call it a night. I will see you guys on Monday on The Hangover with Brian and Shannon. Until I talk to you again, I want you to have a happy new year. And I want you to enjoy that game on Sunday. And hopefully, hopefully it'll mean something. We can only hope. Because it'd be fun to talk about next week if they can somehow stay alive through week 18 and have a home game against the Browns. For that to matter... You get to root against the Patriots in Week 18, and for the for the Jets. So it's a crazy, wacky world. But until I talk to you guys again, Happy New Year! And as always, Stop go get it. Bye, everybody. Stop.